Homies, this is a recording made shortly after the USD DPEG. I think the 20th of March is was when this was recorded. There were some audio issues with um, the recording, which took a long time <laughs> to sort out, uh, just with the levels and sort of uh, the files being all over the place a bit. Um, but yeah, this is a cool episode we recorded with Nash. Nash, thanks for coming on. Um, and yeah, I hope you like it. As always, obviously, nothing we say is financial advice because we don't know what we're doing. Omis, welcome to Agora Offsiders. I'm your host, Shark11, and with me today is Stablino, our regular co-host. Hello, Stablino. How are we doing, everybody? We survived. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And special guest co-host Nash two one one of Jonesdale. How are you going, Nash? I, I am unstable, you know, after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're just coming on after the big weekend, um where USD depegged down to like eighty six cents, uh, which led to die and frax also depegging down there. Uh, and this was all set off by a run on Silicon Valley Bank, which is now in sort of receivership and someone's going to buy it. We don't know. I don't know if they've said who that will be yet. But um, yeah, so Nash, maybe you can start off and tell us about your weekend, how uh, how you guys are doing over at Jones and sort of what 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 happens in the back rooms of a crisis for a Dow. Yeah, sure. So uh it, it was kind of interesting. So like Wednesday late afternoon, um, I had, I mean, a lot of us have pretty close ties on the TradFi side. And I remember one of our guys had said, hey, so-and-so at a desk that I won't name is saying that there's some noise going on somewhere and that it appears like there's some potential for uh, folks to get spooked over at a couple of these institutions. Okay, keep an eye on it. So then Thursday comes along and kind of all hell breaks loose. And, um, you know, we tried to get as much information as we could, but, you know, Circle wasn't as transparent, I think, initially as we would have all hoped. Um, and so basically what ended up happening is by Thursday afternoon, obviously everything had kind of exploded. Um, I think I have that timeline, right? I haven't slept a lot. Um, and so I remember I was talking to a few of my buddies and everybody was like, okay, watch the, watch the senior debt because the way that banks work in the U S is if so you have uninsured depositors, excuse me, you have depo insured depositors. So that's FDIC protection, 250,000 for a single account, half a million for a joint account. So anything in there uh, is the first person that can get paid. Okay. By the way, you have a hundred years for an IOU on the FDIC. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> so that's first level. And then second level is uninsured depositors. So that's anything above those limits. Now, unfortunately, that made up about 97% of the about of the accounts over at Silicon Valley Bank. And as soon as that stuff started to happen, that's when First Republic, Signature Bank, Bank of Hawaii, uh, Zion's Bank, all these other smaller banks started to get hit. 
And basically what happened is there was just a good old fashioned run on the bank where these guys, I mean, essentially they screwed up and we can get into why, but really rough, really rough decisions that they made. And if they would have just done nothing, they would have probably still been around. But basically we were as a group just looking at the senior debt because that next tranche of who is eligible for anything would have been senior debt. So if you're senior debt, you get senior debt and preferreds. Um, as long as that senior debt is priced basically above a penny, then that means that the sharps are going to know that there's going to be uh, all depositors being able to you know, get paid. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm taking so that's notes, when I started guys. to get, <laughs> so that's when I started to like pound my chest on Twitter and I started to reply to a bunch of these like CFAs and reply guys. I'm like, you guys should be ashamed of yourself. I'm going to report you to CFA Institute. Like there was a lot of FUD around this because people were concerned that the depositors weren't going to get made whole. And, you know, on Friday when the market left off, there was no buyer, you know, everything was toast. Um, but Circle came out with more information. And at that point, we had already seen uh, what was going on with USDC. And when they came out and said initially that it was six banks, that they were impacted by 25% of their cash uh, is in six different banks. That's what they told us. So I backed into it and I said, all right, 3.3 billion. So why are we pricing this thing poorly as a market? We're below 3.3 cents on a dollar. That's not even backing into any of the fixed and floating rate stuff that they have out there. Uh, then we found out it was actually, oh, it was actually 8.8 .8 billion. I'm sorry, 8.3 billion. Uh, and so he said, all right, well, 8.387 cents. And then, you know, one of the senior guys on our team basically said, look, it's either worth a dollar or it's worth zero. I said, all right, now we have to worry because <laughs> he'll usually shut up unless he has something important to say. So we started backing into like, what are the cleanest places we can go to? So die, there was a time where die was undervalued. Um, we, we had a couple swaps that we, that, well, I didn't do, but some of the folks on our team actually did personally. Like MIM was undervalued. When you think about like, what would be a shelter from the storm? You wouldn't necessarily think about MIM necessarily in that case, but you'd also be eating a huge amount of slippage. So, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to have, a, you know, our treasury uh, stay in a good place, keep the project going. And so we basically spent the weekend trying to figure out high and low slip um, in and out. What would we want to do? When would we want to do it? How close to peg would we want to do and basically a whole weekend of argumentation came down to the fact that we believed that USDC would be at or uh, slightly below peg at open on Monday when redemption started. And we know what happened. The, basically, as soon as the second bank came out, Signature Bank uh, was toast, which is, by the way, $1 billion in USDC uh, uh, reserves over there. Um, we knew at that point the Fed was going to have to come in and do something, and they did. Uh, there was a lot of really bad stuff that would have happened. Forget USDC, just outside of it, if they didn't come and bail them out. And I hate this whole 
bailout thing, but the depositors that were in that bank and the institutions and the folks that they served, a lot of them were also payment processors. We would have had a big problem. Uh, forget the country and the world. Mm. If uh, that bank, mm. yeah, it was, it was a weird bank for it to have been so important. And really it all just boiled down to like two really bad decisions by the CFO. So anyway, one of the guys on our team made an absolute killing um, on this thing. Like I bought a shit ton of, excuse my French, I bought a lot of USDC myself when I started to get into this thing. I think I, I think I put like 30% of my port into it once I was like, all right, I've seen enough. Um, obviously worked out, but it, it was, it was really tough because, you know, you've got, you know, you've got a lot of the portfolio and stables. I, I, I remember that. So I, I'll be honest with you guys. Like I, I DM'd Wardle. Yes, indeed, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I DM'd Wardle and Rowan, and I was like, "Uh, do you guys need our assistance? Like, do you?" Have, and he's like, "No, I think we're okay." I was like, "Oh, okay, all right, I got you." Uh, you know, just to, you know, you guys want a second look of something, you know, just, just figure it's you know, say hi. Uh, you know, we talked briefly, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess with you guys uh, on the Olympus side, though, with the Omis, uh, with that much die, there's not really, you know, not so many places to do? go. And I think it's interesting because uh, it does probably impact or at least should cause some conversation about about something with that concentration of die. So I'm, I'm actually interested to see what... Well, it definitely is, Notch. I mean, you, you can see it on... You know, Mark, you see it just on, forget Discord, the Omis in Twitter, right? It's kind of bubbling up naturally. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm, well I'm, you know, everybody's talking tough. LUSD, but we know there's issues there in terms of just in the past, we had a lot more and they liquidity thought we were a risk to their protocol because we had almost 50% of the market cap. Yeah. The way I look at it. <laughs> we we were going to do a mix of LUSD and then. In MIM, okay. Yeah, okay. and the reason MIM is just because, I mean, it, as long as the liquidation mechanisms work, you could at least claw back some level of value at some point in the future. And it was trading at basically at the same or slightly below. Well, and uh, for a similar reason, um, frame. So we're like, all right, it's a Vesta, VST came back to peg, um, you know, being an over-collateralized coin, right? And so people uh, fled frax on arbitrum um to them we looked at it the only problem that we had was that the lp was frax and i have uh, a follow-up question for you not for our size it would have been um, tough. just you know because i'm definitely more from the retail i'd say and the non-tradfi experience background right i had a, a macro minor at uni right just enough to to risk off and flip the name to stablino for my my old name in uh, november of last year right um or with your prior you mentioned that your dead name <laughs> yeah my dead name <laughs> if he ever returns then you really know it's a bull because <laughs> i'll be preaching again but um no uh the uh you mentioned that that senior debt, right? How might of a person in retail 
been able to see that or investigate that and and realize or was that more inside type information that is there any kind of public First, you source have to know that svb has debt okay and then you'd have to look up the qsip so the qsip is it's like a ticker but they're used for certain i mean every everything has a qsip but yeah so just for retail sake and then once you'd look mm -hmm. that up you would just see what it's trading at and so really yep. if it's trading thing trading you know anything less than option price uh, excuse me greater than options uh mm -hmm. market on it uh you're the market is telling you that we're gonna get full you know that's the other thing too is that been the indicator when we were having this discussion we were thinking okay what is the odd uh or what are the odds that uh usdc opens back up and can you know can be able to satisfy deposits and so then we started taking a look at well what are the institutional level holdings of usdc because really you know who is actually going to redeem this thing at par and the answer is everyone because it'd be a free arb for like the world so they had to open it up at a dollar but they would have run out of money really fast um, but um what happens is the market would naturally because of the buy pressure and i even said this in a chat too and somebody screenshotted it was funny I said, I guarantee you after we open up to a dollar, we're going to short squeeze up above a dollar. And we actually did hit uh, a buck one at one point uh, because you're just, get a, you're just getting a squeeze. You know, I mean, I mean the Ave borrowing that. rates were hilarious. <laughs> so, Nutch, what do you think happens here now? Like, I <laughs> the kind of the 250K, that was, yeah. So we got that insurance, mm -hmm. right? But I mean, like, you're a company... Well, you're an individual. You got 300K. The failure of the regulators. I mean, two days before that happened, Powell was on TV and he was asked specifically, is there any risk uh, to the U.S. banking sector that you see? And he said no. <clears throat> but it should have been so obvious, right? It was like, obvious. I mean, it's easy for us to say now. <laughs> it was obvious because but... before it happened, the, the market was already trying to take them out. And there were guys on the mm -hmm. side that were actively looking at their CDS. So it's just, it's so, just not, it was obvious to the people that do this for a living. The problem is for retail, it, it's not obvious. And that was my big problem also with depositors potentially getting not all their money back. Um, you know, yeah, all these thousands of startups that were with. SVB that would have been yeah not every, you know people think really, Silicon really Valley bad. and they're like oh they're all multi multi millionaires well that's not true there's plenty of startups that they just you know they raise the seed round and they're using it to fund their company and they're using it to fund mm -hmm. their payroll and maybe they got like a million bucks which is okay yeah it's a lot of money but it's you know they're not used I mean, they don't have a million bucks for their name yeah. they have people to pay they have overhead like they owe yeah. that money back to people so. Mm -hmm. So yeah. now they've come in and they've said, look, don't worry, everyone's getting their money back. We're going to sell the bank. There's like this $500 billion fund sitting on the side. But I mean, like if you're a, <laughs> if you oh, got your money in a regional that. bank, right? We should talk like, about that fund, but yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, <laughs> um, Nash, let's talk about the fund. There's a $500 billion fund. 
Uh, and that's banks can go and access that fund if they're worried they're going to collapse, right? <laughs> Which is kind of dumb because as soon as you access it, people are going to rush I, out. I door, disagree. Right? I think this is one of those where the first person to act gets the best deal because <clears throat> if you can clean up your balance sheet pretty fast, you want to get there before, you know, you want to get to the buffet before it runs out of food. Um, <laughs> do you think it would run out of food? Do I think that this didn't come at the expense of taxpayers? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's at the expense of taxpayers. I said it four times. So. You, is it, is, so this is, this yeah. is, all right. So, so how does this fund work? You've got the $500 billion fund. Is it that you can just go and swap your shitty assets for cash? Well, that's that the joke it? of it, right? So the joke of it is that SVB didn't go down because they held a bunch of junk bonds and a bunch of shit debt. They, you know, <laughs> look, Silicon Valley, when you think about it. Was there a hold to maturity? Well, think about right? what Silicon Valley is, right? Well, it's, it's a combination of factors, but like this is a group of people that like Silicon Valley grew really fast really 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 fast and you know these are folks that um got rich fast the bank deposits swelled super fast and if you're a bank you need to have a diversified portfolio of maturities but you kind of also have to buy what's out there like i you know, if I made a lot of money in 2020 and I have to buy the curve and I buy the 30 year bond with a percentage of my portfolio, like everybody else does, um, now I have that maturities risk. And the problem is that they had way too much exposure to the longer ends of the curve. And when the Fed raised rates as fast as they did, SVB mm -hmm. said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to sell, I think it was like 21 billion. I mean, don't quote me on these numbers. It's, it's, it's been a weekend, but I think they said they're going to tell like 21 billion in lousy maturity, taking a huge hit on that. And then they're going to take the proceeds and buy floating rate. The problem is, is that when they did that, they, the CFO made a horrible mistake. They shouldn't have sold that. They should have just got hit on net interest margin and just said, look, if deposits want to walk away, they'll walk away. It is what it is. We'll do our best. But they wanted to be competitive and keep, keep bringing on deposits. And then they realized they had to do a capital raise. No one was interested. And that's what put the target <laughs> on their back, which was basically saying, hey, it would be like if Ohm did like it would be like if Ohm had issued like horrible bonds, sold them all at a loss somehow, and then said, we're going to do a secondary raise. And like, you know, Zeus was out there trying to like <laughs> you know, get people to do his secondary raise and then mark is coming out there and like asking about his whitelist again and stuff like those are the things that would have had to have happened again except no one was interested so yeah. you know they picked a horrible time to do this they didn't have to do it and instead they got they got crushed and uh you know but this is just poking at the armor that every one of these small banks is having to deal with um there's a reason jp morgan and i think it might have even been the last time i was on your show that I was saying they were paying one basis point on deposits for so long and they didn't care because that's a liability on their balance sheet, those deposits. Yeah. And I mean, you know better than anybody else that, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you know, these guys made horrible mistakes and frankly, somebody should probably be held accountable, but it won't be the right person. 
So. <laughs> well, yeah, if it's anyone, right? So, so you've got this big problem now where you have all these regional banks and then they mm-hmm. can go and kind of access this facility. Um, what, We've made a utility that, out of all of them. Isn't that, I mean, that's, and then they take the new cash and then they get it at 5%, right? Like or 4% or whatever. So, I mean, is that, that's inflationary, obviously. Well, of course, yeah, because, well, I mean, we owed the debt anyway. Um, So basically we're just, essentially we're losing the extra interest that we would have paid or I I don't know exactly if that facility is going to like, somehow do more monetary magic i don't know i mean we've already printed we've already printed a trillion dollars in the last three months anyway yeah people are wondering why inflation was still high well i wonder why keep printing money (laughs) so do you think they're done with rate highs i mean they could still hike oh there's a zero percent chance they hike zero percent chance they hike there's no way they're so spooked Uh, well for now they are they're done right now, but I, far be it from me to understand how this guy wants to axe the entire economy. <laughs> I mean, he wants to put well, they every gotta get... who's working under a freaking it, bridge. It's, it's just <laughs> troll. It's just CT, right? But it seems to me some of the the personalities on CT, right, like handsome, um, and then you know, I would the pen, big old penguin Pentoshi, are of the thought that because this facility has been opened up, it gives them the leeway to continue a hawkish stance, right? So the market, at least the retail market, may be considering it a lot differently. Hopefully. Market opened up euphoric. Look how we closed. I mean, Bitcoin was up today. Our market opened up euphoric. Did the stock market open up euphoric? It did, yeah. (laughs) I mean, these wall and all of those, if you bought them at the bottom at like on monday you could have yeah. a 4x oh, yeah. <laughs> today yeah. if you day trade I mean, there pretty much anybody that came in right. and bought when things were really scary made a credible amount of money well this was exactly the problem i wanted to buy but i had like you know usdc <laughs> so it's in well yeah that's, that's it <laughs> retail listeners yeah mark well i mark, was just like do? i can't do anything what did you do I'm did stuck, you just right so I, I've been like, you know, listening to foo this cycle, like DCA till May and walk away. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I had, I had all these USDC sitting there and then I, and then as soon as it gets back on peg, (laughs) the market's already pumped the ETH price. So like, but I mean, everyone wanted to get in the moment. I was like, oh, this is why Ethereum is better money than fucking us dollars (laughs) right like i was like and people are going to be thinking the same about bitcoin and um and we're going to see a pump because people want to buy but they can't buy because everyone's you know sidelined in die or usdc right um i played it a little bit differently i think it worked out in the end right for a um a retail type player right i looked at about 20% of my portfolio and also looked at the money that I knew I had to uh, pay on the tax bill, right? Make sure that was set up because it was sitting in USDC. So um, I think around 98 cents, I converted some and took a haircut 
to um, LUSD and to die with the thought that okay, die would have some mitigating <laughs> right because like it was only a portion billion and it was over dollars right with USDC right anyway right sorry right and then and and right but it was it was small enough and then. Um, I slept through the worst of it, thank goodness. So it didn't freak out too much when it was at at eighty seven, right? And then I think when it was right around ninety three or ninety four cents, um, I aped like a regular middle class salary into <laughs> Ethereum and Bitcoin um, because. I thought, okay, well, if it really does go to zero, maybe this will jump up and that will offset. So it's just like a hedge in my mind. So my DCA budget for like six months went straight into it that at least today seemed to have worked out. So I I was more successful off these pumps and anything I lost the slippage I, I had made up, right? But I still had probably of my stablecoin farms, 70% were were exposed in one way or another through DAI, yeah. FRAX, or USDC. I, I think, was in a, I think so, the, yeah. yeah. I was in a Scary. group chat, or I am still in a group chat with a bunch of homies, and I posted a trade setup um, that basically, it, I mean, it would have been an unpopular trade setup for this channel, but basically it involved like, <clears throat> involved like game theory that was, I guess, ultimately bullish, but the idea was going to be that. <laughs> so the idea was, uh, all right, I, you can edit this out if you want, but the idea was basically going to be like sell spot home, knowing that if there is a DPEG event, that uh, ohm will have to defend the peg, but with die, which will cost even more. And then once you get back to close to Monday morning or when it gets above X for, uh, I think it was 94.5 cents on USDC, buy back the ohm. And if you would have done that, you would have made a lot of money. Um, if you, you borrowed the ohm on EULA and dumped it. <laughs> but I mean, you, you can't, the right? There's just, you borrowed there's like... <laughs> Jeez. that's right that's right right um we'll get to that we'll get to that in a minute but, but um, if i borrowed terra <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of yeah game theory involved i think yeah. my takeaway from it was that like this um that there's people who pack their bags at the bottom or like around a thousand dollars in ETH. And they're not willing to flip it for, you know, <laughs> until it goes much higher than it is. Um, and like, there's actual confidence in ETH. Like, if you're in the middle yeah. of a banking crisis and you only go down to fourteen hundred dollars, like that's pretty absolutely. That's like people aren't dumping. They're like, no, I'm gonna yeah. hold this. My um, my cost and, basis on R is seventy four cents. I can't sell it. <laughs> I can't. I can't sell her. It's over. I can never sell it. I hear you. I can't do it. It'd be like if I pack my bags at eight hundred. I can't sell that. Yeah. Um. And like the ultrasound money, uh, which which is the burn, right? So I don't know if you guys know this website. Burn. Um. It's a beautiful I'll put chart. It in this chat here. Um. There's like a chat on the side of our recording here, which is the ultrasound money website, which is run by these 
uh, these guys. Um, and it shows like we're actually, <laughs> since the merge, we're down 0.1% of all ETH, right? Like that, that is amazing. That is crazy. That is unheard of in assets, right? Like we are deflating. I'm getting yeah. more of it. I mean, I think it's, yeah. it's just more about, I think it's less about supply shock and more about the fact that there's other things on the ETH roadmap that are really important. I think Shanghai is going to be another moment where you have this huge unlock that's happening. Mm-hmm. People think that that might be bullish. I think it's incredibly bullish. Yeah, I think so too. I think people are sitting on it thinking it's bearish. And then when yeah. there's not very much selling, people are going to realize, like, holy shit. <laughs> I don't think somebody who would YOLO and lock up in an indefinite amount of time, just trusting on development and the future to just decide to suddenly sell when the thing that they they yeah. yellowed if, on, right? If you locked up at 4,000, are you selling? Right. It's a huge <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. benchmark. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, of course not, especially they're, that. They're going to wait till the day after tax season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and everyone else is in LSDs, right, which you can get out of whenever you want. So well, I just can't see... Well, listen, the moment you want liquidity <laughs> is the moment it's not there. All right? yeah, you can get out of LSDs until you can't. You can get out of USDC until it depegs. So. Well, so after Shanghai, it doesn't become a problem though, right? Because you just have the the unstaking queue. You just get in yeah, the sure. queue, get out. And someone was telling me like, oh, the Frax, Fraxy pool, it's imbalanced. Oh, they're having to work to keep the peg. And I was like, well, actually, you know, in like a couple of weeks, that's not going to even matter, right? Like, I think just that be gets delayed, by the way. And dump it. I really think Shanghai they, gets pushed a bit, but. They yeah. pushed it already, oh, yeah, well, right? But, um. They're famous. I mean, <laughs> first they, half of the year, I think. Like, they forked it on yeah. uh, Goliri today. So, I mean, progress is Goliri? getting made. At least. I say Garly. <laughs> I, I don't know how you, you say it. You say it as the just... dev network where no one can get any Gorly ETH because <laughs> that one guy is hoarding Gorly ETH and selling it on the aftermarket and then he's trying to like justify his own actions. Like, could you imagine? <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Bizarre. Let's talk um, Eula. Um, so what happened with Eula was they had so the way I understand it. You, yeah, you say, <laughs> and I gotta <laughs> say it's Euler, like the mathematician, I gotta say it. Oh yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah. so the, okay. It was okay. funny. I was Euler, doing a BD call you. like three or four months ago with the Euler, uh, team. And, uh, I kept saying Euler and one of the more educated people on my team was like Euler notch. What are you talking about? He's like, like the mathematician. I'm like, hmm, mathematician. I was schooled in America. Like, you know, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, my, my knowledge of the world stopped <laughs> very It's just early. memes. Memes from movies, yeah, you know? Well, you I keep learn... ruler. You know? It's just what happens. Oh, yeah, ruler you know? loans. Yeah. yeah. So basically, oh, there's, okay. um, there's a, a function in a lot of these contracts where you, you donate. And when you donate, um, that for whatever reason, I was talking to our lead dev about this, um, something that I thought was interesting and, and, you know, another thing that was good too here, and he, he mentioned this to me right away was like, they have really good contracts, 
you know, he, he had said, this is not something that like, oh, these guys are using, you know, fly by night, you know, that they use quality contracts. These are serious people. Um, so basically what but they, they put did, it in after the audits, they had six audits and then they put in this extra function after the audits. <laughs> I had read the function. They had a show some review, review I, of the and function, it's just they yeah. They they all it. had bug bounties up, right? Okay. Like all of them. You know, all these guys have big bug bounties. Like someone yeah. probably looked at the bug bounty, looked at this, and said, "Screw it, I'll take the millions and see if I can get it out without." You know, I don't know. I mean, no one can use tornado anymore, really. So like, there's too many eyes on it. So I don't know. But basically, what ended up happening is this this guy. Um, had a, I think it was like a $29 million die position. Uh, and then he, uh, donated it, which then caused the, uh, the redemption price and the Oracle mechanism. Cause the way that Euler works is if you get liquidated, there's a huge liquidator bonus. So he had 29 million, did a huge, uh, loan donated and then essentially liquidated himself, I think three or four times uh, through that exploit, basically just manipulating the pricing um, and then was able to walk away with uh, all the die. I, I was thinking about it because, you know, it's die. And I was thinking to myself and I'm like, oh my God, like, I wonder if he's actually going to go and like, if he could get that die out, like how much more concentrated does that make Olympus's die position? <laughs> in the market um but it, yeah it was pretty it's pretty crazy yeah so talk about second and third order effects jeez yeah i, I was like oh, i'm safe and then i was like holy shit temple no yeah yeah so yeah yeah we're temple in the same got boat there, sure. for about five mil i think yeah they did. i know they use um, uh sentiment a lot um, I know they're a big, I think they're the biggest yield farmer on sentiment. So, yeah, uh, I think they're all over the place. It's there. So they had a temple, you were like BB boosted Euler pool. So that's yeah. where they have the liquidity, um, on the AMM, but then excess liquidity is posted into, uh, and like Eula or Abe, for example, like, but this one was Eula. Um, and you get extra yield, but yeah, <laughs> they, they're kind of saying that they were kind of force migrated to it. Like if, like it was by function of staying in the pool that they were migrated, like they could have withdrawn obviously, but, um, and like balance or like, you know, talked about how safe it was, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see if they can come up with something. Hopefully they can come up with something win-win, um, you know, um, but yeah, there's, they're obviously, I, I, I really am hopeful that they could just pay this guy off because uh, <laughs> I, I, it would be a lot better. It's a core protocol, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. you know, I think this is just for retail and novices, right? This is where I, I, I do take away and I look at silo and how it operates isolated you know, all yeah. those into into everything siloed hence the name isolated pools right 
And I, I, you know, I take note that Fraxland operates the same way with isolated pools right now. Can they still get hacked? Of course. And hopefully the pools you're in don't, but it's a mitigating factor. Right. And uh, then the other takeaway that I think actually was reflected in Volt's decision today that was announced is just the con the burden on development and teams to keep all of these incremental improvements well audited and well tested and what that represents. So I think this this hack was part of actually probably what drove um, Volt to open up redemptions while they're working on a V2 through their PSM as well. Yeah, I think I think um, it'll be interesting to see what Volt does with their V2, but yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Yeah, no, it looked like, uh, it looked like um, Lux from Temple was writing up and they're still in the process of writing up a, a governance proposal for Balancer. So folks impacted um, will hopefully be, be voting for that. And it looks like, you know, I, I think Z from Olympus as well is impacted in terms of the community. So hopefully they, they can reach out to Olympus and maybe make a deal <laughs> to, to vote vote in our, our well, favor the, for the thing some to compensation remember or redemption. But... Like Convex, Aura controls most of the governance of Balancer, right? So, and yeah. the the like largest holder yeah. of Temple is and that's DCF, that whole whale right? game. By Convex, you mean the Curve guys, right? So, guys. Convex Finance, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same team, um, but um, Aura, it, it's like DCF and Marky are like big holders as well. Um, so, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. If there is some something worked out like fees or even bow, there's still there's plenty a, of there's bow. a whale chat for our oh yeah are you in it are you aware it's an interesting whale chat <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> how are I you in the... um all right let's um yeah dolphin yeah. life is more fun you get to spin and shit and jump out of the I'm water literally flipper <laughs> um yeah no whales on this podcast um, so let's, let's turn to Ohm now. Um, we've had this staking rate strategy, uh, reduction, um, which is, uh, essentially the, um, the DAO is like, Hey, <laughs> we, Ohm isn't very useful while there's a 7% staking rate. What should we do? Here are three options for the community to pick. Um, and we've thought about them and, um, you know, we think, um, we think these are the three, one of these three could be it. I think your Leroy Jenkins one, where we just <laughs> go to zero with no bond and then build the bond market from there. Um, Stablino could have been a goer actually, but they went with the original three on snapshot and, Option one was to wait until the lending AMO test is concluded. So I think that's in early April. I don't even know like <laughs> what that is. They're just like putting Ohm on lending platforms and seeing if people borrow it. Um, but now they've taken it out of EULA, which is good for us. Um, but yeah, um, issue a single bond fix rate for 7.3%, 3% to mature in six months. 
and uh, after the bond market closes, begin turning staking to zero. Um, so that that would just be like one mega bond at 7.33%. And then option two is a kind of just um, wait until there's lending, leverage, LP farming and own bond vaults and then go to 0%, which wouldn't be for like six to eight months, in my opinion. And then option three, which is the option that won by, it got like 83% uh, of the vote, is um, to essentially just reduce the staking rate to 2.33%, uh, um, and then um, wait until the projects, so like these own bond vaults essentially are completed and then reduce staking rate to zero after that. So once they've kind of got the yield curve built. Um, so I was very pro um, option three. And um, the reason that I was pro option three is that we would be put, if we took any of the other options, we'd be putting people in a position where they'd have to take action immediately. Otherwise there'd be like the potential for significant dilution. And I think people need to like plan when they're moving like lots of money around. Um, so this kind of uh, gives them that 2.33% uh, without having to like kind of do anything. And it can kind of be the like die savings rate type of situation like the um, standard rate. And I think 2.33%, I had a like argument with Tex about this. He was saying, oh, it's really just arbitrary. It's like less than seven and closer to zero. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, but the other good thing about 2.33% is that it is built on the real world meme that is throughout the entire world that inflation between two and 3% is like a standard. Um, so like that is yeah. something really, that's actually a really good level to build your yield curve on top of because people understand it. Um, and they'll be able to like compare rates like for like with other stable coins. So I, they didn't actually kind of step that out in the like explanation of option three. I'm sure it must've been the reason for them picking that number, but, um, yeah, which was a little bit irritating because option three was clearly like the best of the three options. Um, but yeah, what, what was, what were you, uh, you, you, you were kind of in the chat a bit as well, Stablina. Maybe we'll start with you and then we'll hear Natch's thoughts. I'm sure he's <laughs> got, a, got a bit to say. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. I would say this. I'm a, I'm a guy who sometimes feels like he is absolutely in the the left side of the middle brain and then or of the mid range. And then sometimes I, I just have these really left curve moments, right? So that particular day in the chat, I had that left curve moment and I had watched a podcast that brought up Leroy Jenkins, right? So hence, hence Leroy Jenkins, just fuck it, you know, let it rip. Right. But there was good reason for that because I think when you get presented with just three predefined options, it is very common for the middle of the road or the compromise option to get chosen right um even if it may not be best per se i i don't know that that was necess not necessarily the case here because i i think i i would have voted for option three um given that the straight to zero wasn't uh wasn't a choice 
but by bringing it up, it did bring a dialogue in um, from some some bigger brains in the chat, uh, and to reconsider why that why that wasn't brought in the first place. So, you know, I I think I think in the future, I just will be hesitant of. It's important that you know we facilitate decision making, and the contributors are bringing things to the community, but. Um, I, I don't like the idea of getting set up with here's just these three choices, pick one of these three, because that's how you can control how the direction of things move, right? And maybe the broader community, um, if if those three options were weren't as reasonable as maybe maybe as they were, um, might have failed to totally reject it when it it might have needed to be rejected. I I think about like um my wife saying, okay, there's three options that you want to have for dinner, and it's all of her three favorites, right? And nothing that I enjoy. And she's trying to get me to to choose, right? And I have to say, well, well, well hey, hey, how about this instead? Right. So that's where I stood on it. I, I do uh, agree with you though, Mark, around the meme of the two percent. You know, it is something that central banks target. Um, I don't always know if that's the right way either, but it is a meme um, and it does reduce the hurdle rate. I just hope it doesn't end up like option two is where we sit around at this 2.3% for months at a time because it, it does delay um, the urgency of these other things being built out. But why can't we build the curve on top of 2.33? Like, I don't... I think it's I think you can have two point I don't even think you need to turn it off necessarily. Well, you can just have it as the bottom. I I think that that's where it it I don't a I'm not don't have enough curves in my brain to to make a cohesive <laughs> argument, but my my gut is that is is that where we want our emissions to go? Right? Do we do we want to have a passive staking option period, right? Or, and maybe I'm you confusing can put it because you're just saying up on it like a week or a month or whatever. But like, you know, you can you can have a cost, but like you got to the bottom's got to be somewhere. <laughs> enough. Right. Fair enough. So, yeah, I <laughs> I don't I guess, know. I'm not trying to. It's just, you know, it's, it's already passed. Right? Yeah, it's passed. The left brain is just like I, I was thinking we needed to. I was with Z. I thought we should have been at zero when we moved down to seven. I thought it, we would have just went and and took that all in one move, and that that's a retrospective. But I'm I'm definitely bullish for these vaults um, to get created and somebody step up to the plate because I do think, regardless, having a uh, a great passive UX experience where you're getting a piece of wherever these emissions are coming from, even though they're maybe they're they're all coming through bonds or through LPs or whatever. You know, you're getting not as great as the manual of most involved folks, but we have we have something that appeals to the the retail or, you know, the folks who can't live and breathe on Discord and CT, right? So yeah, definitely. Nash, tell us what are your thoughts? What are your criticisms? <laughs> uh, I I think that the number should. First of all, in my mind, and I said this last time, you have a hurdle rate, and your hurdle rate should be the risk-free rate of the, you know, whatever bond index you want to choose for U.S. bills. Um, and if you're below that, um, and you have range-bound liquidity, 
so I mean, basically, what you're doing is like you're using Unity V3 to 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 to, to create an options portfolio. <laughs> essentially, that's what they did. Um, you're you're limiting upside, you're limiting downside, you're smoothing ball, but you're also inflating too slow to cause volatility. Like you actually want volatility in that model, but within the band. So like you want to have mm-hmm. as much vol in the band as you can to encourage buyers and sellers to come in and try and arb it. When you don't have natural inflation, you reduce the vol in the band. That makes so sense. To me, the move would have been you should have stayed at a higher interest rate and treat the thing like an LSD and just live with that interest rate or frankly, uh, you know, just start pooping out emissions, <laughs> you know, uh, in other tokens on top of it and have a claim function for it. Like that would have been the other way I would have done yeah. it. But, um, I don't think it's, I think at this point, that's probably what they're going to end up having to do. I really think they are going to have to you know, take a, take a page out of, you know, spare or something like that, where you've got this kind of base rate and then you have these other models that come in and they farm or they have these pools and uh, you know they have a number that they keep for stability and for BD and stuff and then everything else goes back to you know the Demeter farms so I just think that I think that's probably the future where they're trying to go but I'm with what's the Blino that I think giving like three options is probably the wrong choice I think there's always should be I think frankly I think the answer should have been here's what we think is our best option or we go back to the drawing board. I, and that way you're giving the community a 50-50 choice. Yeah. Um, I think, that's the, I think the issue is that there's great disagreement within the DAO, right? And there has been for quite some time. Um, so about... Well, uh, can you blame them? <laughs> I mean, you have a retail-friendly model that had five-figure, four-figure, three-figure inflation where it was very simple. To understand what the game like, was, yeah. You buy this, you get more tokens. If the market's up only, you win. If the market's not up only, you lose. So people that got in early, they won. And now you have these incredibly complex DeFi mechanisms that require a lot of either obfuscation of certain points, not like the same as being deceptive, but like you have to really talk about specifically what you want mm-hmm. to talk about to hit retail the right way. Uh, or it's not going to make sense. And I think the problem is that in the own community, still, some of the loudest voices are some of the smallest holders. And you know, I really wish we could hear from the whales a lot more because uh, those conversations, you can you better believe, are happening. They might just be happening, you know, in a closed. Yeah, I'm busy trading bog so. bears. <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, maybe, I can't. yeah, they're all in Toronto with right. uh, they're all in Toronto with uh, reactive guys uh, building the future of Bond. So I, I, I love that very change. Yeah. by the way, it's yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, the so the I mean, what they could do right is take whatever five percent of Ohm that they were just giving out for free and actually direct it towards gauges, right? To bribe gauges, I think. They really need to get velocity, right? One thing Frax does really well is FXX has a lot of velocity, right? <laughs> there are people 
every day claiming their rewards, like dumping it, you know, trading it for CVX, FXS, whatever it is. But they've they've actually said, we're building this money network with Frax and FraxEth and whatever, and you can get a ownership chunk of it if you use our coin, right? Um, and I mean, we don't do that. Right, like we've got this hundred thousand. Well, well, and <laughs> guys, that's a, the velocity you know, thing. Listen. That's a meme that retail can understand because when you talk in speculation and and hang out with some of the not so you know curved brains, they understand that RBS would work well for the treasury if we ping ponged. We want ping pong to happen. Ping pong is good, right? So it's just connecting the dots that we get the ping pong by having these emissions come through. And that causes what you thicker brains are, but, are talking about. But RBS came at the wrong time. Like RBS came at the wrong time. RBS needed to come in November of last year. Yeah, no, I 100%. Like the near bottom of a bear market. So now what you're doing is you're going to, you're going to make it so that way that the, the journey upwards out of a bull, out of a bear market, like let's say, let's say more banks collapse and let's say the fed literally goes from tightening to watching things collapse to easing. Okay. So like we we killed the inflation bear, now we're managing deflation. So you have RBS in place and what you're doing is you're making it a lot harder for Omis to get rich. And that's not that's like the inverse community builder. So like what you actually want to do at that point is lift you want to lift the bot the top of your range way higher. Yeah. You want to incentivize silly things on the top of the range that you would have otherwise never done on uni. So the only other way to manage it now would something I had suggested about a year ago, which is make the treasury super productive. Because then if you have RBS in a super productive treasury, you're paid to crap. And you're paid in real yield. You're not, you know, inflating the ohm supply that much, but you're making it so that owning ohm is productive. You get above peg, you turn bonding back on, you can buy more productive assets, you flywheel. But there was just no appetite for that, unfortunately. Everybody wanted to go and die and stick around in there. And I know Zeus wanted to do like all Ethereum for a while. And at that point, I just said, all right, I, I, did, I did what I could. I think... I still think that's well, the Well, I mean, they're in the frax base pool now with like $60 million frax, which is paying like 3 or 4%. Um, and they've dumped the die into the DSR. I think the DSR is just dumb, right? They're pulling in 4% on treasuries or whatever, and even more on the loans that they're putting us at risk yeah. of. But you get 60 million bucks, essentially, in a USDC-based protocol. And then you have 70 million bucks in, essentially, a USDC-based protocol with no liquidity on mainnet except you. Yeah. And your 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 net interest margin, which is a bad word because these aren't securities. Like here, let's use a different phrase that's also bad. Your IRR is below your competitors, right? You have to find a way to boost that IRR. The best way to do it is you have to use your treasury in a productive manner. It's got to be more productive. If you can have range bound stability with a productive treasury, I'm just gonna print. I've been saying this for years. Yeah, I guess I guess the so they're talking about moving like another 10% or something to ETH, which I think, you know, probably would have been good to do at the bottom of the market rather than <laughs> now. Appetites change slowly. Well, I think right? you have to be exposed to the market around this point. That's the thing. I think, like, are we closer to 800 or are we closer to 4,000 yeah. here? 
I think we're probably closer to going up than going yeah. down. But you still, you know, they have a lot of debits. They have a lot of liabilities they need to satisfy in my mind. And so those liabilities require more productive mm -hmm. assets. Now, it's hard to do that in scale, but there are options. And that's why I'm really hopeful that the treasury managers, like, I I was actually pretty excited by OIP 131, 132. Oh, treasury management um, thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking about some of that with a couple guys, and I actually put. Uh, I got into a group chat with a few people that I think could take advantage of this. Um, I know one's on mainnet only right now. But, um, you know, having the counterparty to your LPV own—that's um, an interesting thing. I think. You know, and if you're doing it on balancer, that's even. Yeah, better. but imagine they paid the staking rate into the like bribed the own um, frax baseball bribed the you know boosted pool the lps period balancer right like i mean it, imagine <laughs> if they bca'd a million bucks a month or a million bucks a week into aura and into convex <laughs> well they're doing that <laughs> i do think um, i do think appetites are changing right or at least yeah, open definitely. open for new directions like you know i see it from I want to see animal spirits. I want to see them get angry. I want to see them hit the punching bag, you know, and get angry with stuff. That's what I want. I want to. See, <laughs> I want. I want to see Wardle like yelling at people, spending forty dollars on cocktails. <laughs> I need that. In my I life. think the treasury yeah. team is I need super, Wardle forty dollars. Super chill at the moment. So, well, um, hey, Re Relwin did say like that uh, we should expect some kind of proposal or some kind of direction from the Treasury team in the the coming days. I like Relwin. I right. think I think I think Relwin's smart. I think he understands. So I mean, Ohm's a good asset, right? You can go on to Convex, put your Ohm in the Ohm Frax base pool, and get forty two percent paid in. Frax curve and convex, right? Like it's looting by it's, yields. It's a good, it's a good asset, right? And I mean, it's like true. the more the like, but if we're bribing in ohm, right? Then we get the velocity of the people who are getting bribed. These convex holders, maybe they're like, oh, well, I'll just keep some money in ohm, right? And then you've got sticky liquidity. They're not going to do anything if the staking rates. This is the thing, right? If the staking rate is 2.3%, then you're going to have a lot of ohm that doesn't sort of put it into the module, right? Because people will be like, oh, whatever, it's 2%. I can have it sitting somewhere else for like a couple of weeks. They forget about it, whatever. But like you kind of have this monetary, you can actually grow the monetary premium, right? Because you can have it go and use stuff. And instead of this, if we go to 2.3%, this, this, 41% yield, this gets armed right down. I mean, it's down, it's up higher than it was before. It was like 25 before because people got out of fracks because of the depending. But how, how much is in that pool? Actually? Uh, I think there's, the there's like gone down. It was around like five to six, wasn't it? Million? There's 5.7 in the convex right but but that's not necessarily oh yeah 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 no, of course <laughs> of course i forget um, a lot of people are using yearn right or they yeah so i don't know itself. if yearn have their module moved over yet um but yeah um i think there's like six and a half or seven or whatever 
Um, but like the the constant complaint we get from the partnerships team on that is, oh look at this yield and the staking rate seven percent, and I'm like the difference between seven percent and twenty five percent is like worlds apart from two point three percent and twenty five percent, right? Like it's a total different equation in your head because if you're going to go access that twenty five percent or forty percent, it is now. Like, you have to sell half your own, which people don't want to sell their own below backing, right? Like, they just don't want to do it. But they will do it if, you know, they're getting 2.3% and the yield opportunities are much better. But, I mean, how much does that really help us getting people into these pools if they're selling half their own? Like, do we want that? <laughs> like, is it a good thing? Like, Well, I think, I think, you, I think you do because over time... Over time, if you if you do have people selling into that pool, um, you know if they are in some sort of auto compounding situation, they're going to end up with more room than they started relatively yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like uh, over time definitely, yeah. and we've got to build like utility. But like we could do something like eighty twenty pools on balancer, and get rid of the staking rate entirely, and say, well, if you want to be paid the inflationary rate then you go and get your yield on balancer and you have to pair it with ETH or DAI or USDC or whatever you want to pair it with. But then we don't, like, then the asset's actually doing something useful. It's liquidity. It's the protocol pursuing its ob objective to be a reserve currency, right? And you could do it with bond. Like maybe some OMIs like bond. Uh, maybe some OMIs like our other partners, Jones. We get a Jones pool, of course. Um, but like, I don't, I just can't like, we've, we don't have very much velocity at the moment, which is my biggest concern. Like people aren't getting, people who don't have OM aren't getting forced to get it into their pocket, right? Which is what you do with bribing and sort of staking rates for, you know, stable pools as well. So Notch from here, right? It seems like there's an appetite. They want to move towards a more productive treasury. Right, we've got this pending information coming out. You mentioned earlier that, you know, perhaps uh, raising the buffers on RBS, um, right, might be another option. But uh, you did say a productive treasury with a crab uh, would be would be great as well. Is it a combination of both? Is it one or the other? Um, you know, what what way would you go if it was if you were in the driver's seat today? Well, I think the important thing is to pick a way. Yeah. You have to yeah. pick one. Huh. Once you pick one, we can argue about which one is better. But I, I don't think we know because no one's ever done anything like this. That, that's the thing. I mean, my gut tells me the best thing to do because the initial idea of them is to be stable. Uh, and so my gut tells me it's RVS with a super productive treasury because you're thinking about Curve right now at $5. Okay, Curve is not going to be, or excuse me, a convex at $5. And R is like three and change. In a bull market... The all-time high price of Convex was, what, 50-something dollars? Right? Ohm has enough money, it's not worried about the next year. It's not worried about the next five years. So if you have a significant, if you have 25% of your future in these really pr super productive tokens that yield 30 40 50% right now in a bear market, you know, what happens to those things in the future? Because right now, you could just use it to take away all of the inflation in ohm if you want to um 
but like you could just do it this way. Uh, it just feels to me like that's the better play. But also taking risks, like like Ohm should have like a Ohm should have like a sleeve of stuff that they just have high conviction on on other chains. Because if they want Ohm to truly be, you know, a reserve currency or at least have some sort of moniker of, of, of stability to it, uh, it needs to be something that's important on all chains. So it should have something in Kanto. It should have something in Optimism. It should have, you know what I mean? Like it should have something everywhere, some partnership everywhere. Yeah, I think definitely we can do more. Um, but this is yeah. comes back to that, st- that like use of own in liquidity, right? Like with partners, you know, getting, standing up your initial liquidity. And we, we, like, this was one of the objectives of Incubator back in the day, right? Like getting Ohm into treasuries. And we had people who were prepared to, um, you know, do their raise in Ohm. I mean, no one's really raising, like, but, but like, it was an, it was like a KPI. What, what are we doing to get Ohm in people's treasuries as a reserve asset? And um, it's just not really happening. I mean, it's super hard, right? I don't, Jones Dow is ready to accept all <laughs> own deposits. This is yeah. I mean, this is this is yeah. Something else we gotta gotta get gotta get a uh, bad deal for Jones. Gotta get something for Jones. Definitely strong partner, strong team. You guys have like um, I was going through with Wagme the other day. We we're on a just a VC shooting the shit, and we looked up your treasury. I think he pinged you for the address, Nash, and. Um, and uh, we we were like, oh, okay. So like, they're essentially a backed coin because they have like eight million dollars of reserve assets, and like a like a or, or less, right? Because nine million of your market cap is in your treasury, so it's like eight million and eleven million circulating. It's like crazy. Um, <laughs> We're actually turning off emissions like completely. Like we're down to two fifty a day, two hundred fifty Jones a day is out there. Um, but we're going to be turning it off really soon. Like, we have a plan to completely deprecate it before we move into the V model. And the V model just be literally all right. We've got incentives that go into the token uh, through the different vaults that are out there, and then this is how much gets spit back out to people in real yield, not in Jones. So, um, you know, or have some sort of methodology around it. But I think one of the best things about this whole thing has been just that we've really managed our treasury in a really good way. And, you know, we didn't, you know, we don't have the runway that obviously like Olympus has, but like we've done pretty well and, you know, we've had a lot of growth. Like, but the thing know, is, you guys actually you know, have a product. Before right? everything <laughs> went crazy, we had like 50 million bucks in the, in the vaults. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have. Well, this a, we have is the problem. What wait is? Wait until you see the new stuff we're coming out. What is own selling? Jones a long time. I, I feel like I, I need to need to buy some. Use the products. We have Jara coming out. Where Jara is in audit right now. It's gonna be like the biggest. All right. You tell us. You we're gonna be the second biggest. What is Jara? Is that just gonna be like a compounding vault? Is or is it a secret? It is, but uh, with a twist. With a twist it is. It is, but with a big twist that oh, I don't want to reveal. But it's a big. I'll put it this way: it's gonna, on. it's gonna yield more than, it's gonna yield more than VLM. Uh, How is that possible? Okay. All real yield. Okay. No, no fake yield. Hundred percent. It will yield more than VLM. That's very rich. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, we can. 
If you're in V, if you're in Aura Jones, and you lock it with I us, need to buy more Aura. Earn more. Even if I didn't get it 78 cents. Just buy more it's of everything. Just, just, just buy everything. Uh, just so, buy yeah. The entire and then on top of all of that, um, we have this, well, we, we have MetaVaults. Wait till you see the MetaVault V2 that's coming out. Oh I'm looking for it. Wait until you see what that looking thing is. For. Hey, we can do it. Sounds like we need to get well, this chain. Is really quick. Maybe you should get. Uh, yeah, we. We yeah, are we going are. cross chain. R is going to be our first cross chain yeah. player. We'd love to see, obviously, uh, own vault, and you know, once they sort out this sort of staking rate, I think the bolt, the bonds thing can continue in earnest. But I mean, this really highlights what's the point of bonds. Um, you know, what are we doing here? <laughs> we see bonds. Um, initially it was to find the market rate for locking up your own, but, um, the point of locking up your own was so that RBS could, you know, control the price well, but, you know, if we're never going above backing, <laughs> what is the point of locking it up? And I guess you create sort of volatility by having people locked up, right? Like that, that's the point. And then IBS can ping pong around. But um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, I think doing it off the base of 7.3% would be crazy. Um, and 2.3% is probably a good place to start with that. But yeah, we've really got to look at well, what else does a reserve currency have? And one thing a reserve currency can have is a sort of single collateral die like ETH or an LSD, right? I mean, I think that's what dinero is, to be honest. But um, yeah, yeah, dinero is a stable built off LSD, right? So, man, I'm excited yeah. for what's to come, though. I will say that. So there's there's Relowin and the rest of the Treasury team kind of coming out with their direction, right? We we have this growing understanding of a need for more ping pong. Let's play some ping pong homies, right? Let's get the velocity up as the, as the word has been. And the way that we can make that happen um, is by directing emissions through to LPs and through other different novel methods with our partners, right? And make, make the game of ping pong fun, right? So that uh, people want to trade it and that uh, we can capitalize off of it. Um, and by doing that, by doing those LP incentives, we're also getting home out to folks who uh, might not otherwise be buying it, right? Is that a good synopsis, Mark? I mean, the way you the way you get definitely Nash, please go ahead. the way you get volatility there is you you don't LP it with a stable asset. Like if you're if you're if you're a stable asset and you're LPing it with a stable asset, like you're not going to have the volume you want, right? You want to LP this thing with something that's going to move around. So like if you LP it with ETH. You're gonna get a lot better vol than if you LP'd it with, you know, dot, right? And I think that's that's the main thing for me is just the LP target should be ETH because you're gonna create volatility if Ohm's not moving and ETH is. You create volatility. You allow the bands to move. Um, well, this is a another thing. So what Frax are doing? They have this Frax ETH, which is like the naked sort of staking derivative. And you don't get any yield on that. And the reason they wanted to make it is because they want to drive monetary premium to Fraxies, like people who actually use it for things uh, in the economy. And then they get to <laughs> have the yield sitting in the background. Yeah. But what they've said is, Listen. is that they will direct all the 
like staking fees towards like bribing pools or like directly to the gauge or whatever for your oh where have i heard that before <laughs> for your uh <laughs> for your um product right like or for your pool so if i'm like you know had a fraxies pool and then lps could be encouraged to come to that pool by the bribes that are on the other side and could create this flywheel. I expect Jones is uh, thinking something similar. Um, I expect there's a lot of people thinking about the product. But so the my my like we need to give people we need to get home into pockets and treasuries and stuff. And I think if the community can start thinking and the Dow's obviously thinking about it, but if you have any good ideas, jump on the discord, jump on one of the policy forums. There's a reserve asset discussion a general policy discussion, treasury management, jump on there and, you know, give out your ideas, but then also this kind of um, pitching to Ohm about how to use their treasury is um, a really good um uh, that they've put forward, I think, is a really good procedure, and I hope that we'll see the Jones Collective come and find a good home for some of our assets. Nash, uh, I hope you'll be thinking about participating in that process. Always thinking about homes. <laughs> Very good, Nash. Yeah. Um, any uh, closing thoughts? Um, otherwise we might wrap it up here. Nash, anything you want to, yeah, I got, I got, I got one. I got one thought. Crazy idea. <laughs> okay. Crazy. Let's get crazy for a second. What if, okay. Ohm became a super collector of all of the best bribe economy tokens that were mm -hmm. out there. Okay. I'm not going to use the name of that failed protocol that didn't do that. <laughs> right. The one that got. We'll just redact it. We'll redact it. They had really good it, yeah. optics, though. Yeah, yeah. So, so you take that, that super economy of bribe tokens. What are these bribe tokens, right? What are they? They're basically just like productive businesses, right? You just have Ohm collecting all these really productive businesses, and then all of these other really productive, real real productive things like, you know, butterfly, like <laughs> you can go to cross chain, you can go radiant, you can go, uh, uh, I mean, curve, you can go convex, you Velodrome. can go yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, FXS, you take all that stuff. Sure. Vela, you take all that stuff, you put it in one place. Okay. And then what you do is you take Ohm's bribing market that doesn't currently exist. And you make it exist. And you say that if you own Ohm, you can use your Ohm to bribe on any of these platforms with this much weighting. And Ohm will, in an automated way, direct the platform bribes to the way that you vote using your Ohm. And then overnight, Ohm becomes the must-have thing for every treasury out there. And if you look at my messages a year ago, you'll see this exact idea. And then we actually have a product. I think this is the issue, right? Good night, everybody. <laughs> this is Good the job. issue. They're, Good we job. Gotta th we got to think about, <laughs> yeah, products, right? What are things that a reserve currency does because it is a reserve currency? What are things a giant whale can do to, like, you know, um, get, us, get us above backing? Because once we're above backing, this thing is a success. Like, there's nothing that can stop it once it's above backing, uh, you just gotta 
got to have the memes and dreams to get there. And yeah, I think we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for coming on, Nash and uh, Stablino, as always. Thank you, sir. Just take care. Cheers. <laughs>